Hello? 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 Okay, here we are, Chat Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Film Photography Podcast for January 1st, 2011. I'm here in the studio with Dwayne Polkew. Hello, Gebna. And John Fideli. Happy New Year! Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, Happy New Year. This is our New Year's Day celebration. It's a bittersweet time. It, mm. it is. All is quiet. It is a bittersweet time. It is. New Year's Day is bittersweet. Because yeah. Kodachrome, of course, is officially oh. now it's done. Doors done. closed. <laughs> Doors closed. It's sad. It's sad, but you know, it's at the same time. I've been shooting so much Kodachrome the last few months. That's <laughs> almost like I'm sick of it. Thank God. I'm almost like <laughs> I feel almost free that now I can explore other. You know, I, I, would, I would feel guilty about shooting anything else mm. because I only had right. a limited amount of time to shoot Kodachrome. And I read on a forum that Kodak discontinued certain sizes of black and white sheet film as well. Really? Starting yeah. when? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that's a very, very ambiguous comment, and it's very nonspecific, and I probably shouldn't say something ambiguous if I don't have facts to back it up. But, uh, but again, they also introduced, as, as we, we know from the photo district news show, they have, you know, Kodak Ektar in 8x10 and 4x5 sheets, which was not expected. So they discontinued a couple things, and they included a couple of things, which is, uh, which is how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the nature of the beast. Our second year of FPP. Is yeah. it really? Wow. Easy. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty nuts. Thanks, guys. Thanks to everybody out there. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's some wild, wacky, crazy stuff. It's been <laughs> that was good. Thank you, Sean. It's been uh, quite <laughs> wild. Thanks, that's crazy, wacky stuff. <laughs> it's been quite a year. Yeah, so what, what are you thankful for last year? What are the highlights of 2010 for Mike Rasso? You know, I don't want to cause my listeners to just start crying. <laughs> It's, it's, you know, it's all film-based. It's all yeah, me getting back into film and can't tell you the amount of cameras I discovered last year and new formats and, well, when I say new for, new to me formats, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so many old formats that I discovered for the first time. It was just very fulfilling. You were like Indiana Jones of the film world last year, just uncovering all kinds of stuff. Yeah. We're going to talk about a little bit about that. But that, 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 that. We're going to talk a little bit about some of that stuff today, some of the film formats and 620 film and some of the topics we've covered in the some past shows. We have a lot of letters. I'm going to talk a little bit about 110 film. I'm going to talk about our amazing giveaways. I actually have them on hand. Ah. But first, the most the funny thing. <laughs> funny. Funny what? Like what? Like a clown funny? <laughs> the funniest thing. This is the funniest thing. We had two winners last month. Uh... Ulysses Lara won the Kiev 6C. Mm-hmm. Our good friend Brian Moore won the Vivitar PN2001. Mm-hmm. Darren Riley of Pancho Ballard. Pancho. <laughs> he won the uh, Michelle Bates book. Uh-huh. But yeah. the Vivitar and the, the Kiev 6C, they're currently misplaced. Are you serious? Mike, could you be more specific? The Kiev... 6C and the Vivitar PN2001 are missing. Oh, no. <laughs> are we missing from you or missing from the mail? Well, I don't think they were mailed out. And we have them in our hands here. You know that uh, if you mail them out. The thing you? is, you know, I cleaned the studio up a little bit. I, I think I put the camera somewhere for safekeeping, like a specific shelf. Like, and oh, let me put these here. You have no idea and where now, that safe spot is. Uh, it's safe from you, that's for sure. Have you ever put your keys somewhere? And you're like, oh, I'm going to oh, put yeah. them here, and then you just completely forget the news. Definitely. That's how you lose stuff. Yeah, but Mike, the Kiev was a big, monstrous camera. <laughs> it's like saying, you know what? I misplaced my car. <laughs> <laughs> where well, the heck did I put my car? <laughs> where is that elephant? Well, let's, let's rule out a few things. It's definitely not stolen. Mm-hmm. First of all, who would steal the Vivitar? It's in this room somewhere. <laughs> I don't know, not me. Uh, it's in this room or in this building somewhere. Huh. Why would it leave this studio space? Uh, it could be in the adjacent office space. Oh, it could brother. be in the Justin shipping room. It could be in a number of places. So in other words, you're saying that they didn't get it yet, but they probably will. Yes, absolutely. The two folks that have won, the Vivitar and the Kiev, just sit tight. We're going to get to the bottom of this. You know, we're going uh, to you know, uncover, turn over every camera, every book, every piece of paper, every, every bin. Well, first letter's from Darren, and Darren is from Pancho Ballard. Pancho. PB. Yeah, it is Pancho. It is Pancho? It's not Pancho? It's not Pancho. It's Pancho. 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 Not well, we Pancho. say... Pancho. Pan- Pancho. Pancho. P said P... P- 
Pan, P-A-N, as in P-A-N. Pan as in Pan. Ballard P-A-N. as in Hal. Hal Ballard. Hal, like in Hal the... Or computer. K. Ballard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> K. Ballard. <laughs> remember K. Ballard? <laughs> yes, of course I remember K. Ballard. Well, Darren says he's uh, amazed to find that he won the book. Uh, not only did you talk for considerable time about me and my band, but I also yeah. won the book. Yeah. And I won a bottle of beer at work today, so it was a particularly, particularly great day. Right here, Pancho is pronounced the same way as can over here. Can. Where was Pancho? Over there, it's con, like like C A N N E S con. Well, it says C A N. Where is Pancho Ballard? U K. Oh, I thought it was in like California. Yeah, no. right. It sounds very uh, like Pancho's Rallo. Rancho's Palos Verdes. The problem, the problem is he's saying it's pronounced the same way as can over here. But some people like the Can Film Festival, mm-hmm. and some people say Can Film Festival. Yeah. Con. <laughs> That's a different con altogether. So uh, he it's, wasn't specific. It's Pancho, not Pancho. Well, this is Jersey, Jersey City, being Pancho. Yeah. We well, talked for like eight hours on this. Last episode, we <laughs> were talking about no, wait, we wait. called called Pancho Bellardo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's way off. The music's fantastic. Oh, here here's the thing. He just set the EP download price to zero on CD Whoa. Baby. All right. And he mentioned it on a podcast thread on Flickr, so that all of our listeners can go to our Flickr thread, mm-hmm. you know, our Flickr group, film photography podcast, and look in the threads for. Pancho Ballard, and you'll see the link. You could download this this music for free. Right. That's so. That's pretty fantastic. So does that mean like you guys are gonna start releasing free music too? No. Okay. That's John of the Pink Delicates. A couple of bucks. Come on. Yeah. Well, I think beer money. Well, I think this is a limited time offer. So Darren, thanks. Thanks for being a friend of FPP. Really digging the music. thought I'd, I would write to say thanks for the podcast. I really like the have-a-go attitude in, it engenders. We have this, a have-a-go attitude? Guy, this guy yeah. has to be British. Well, have-a-go at it. Because no one here in the, U, in the U.S. says have-a-go. Since on. completing listening to the back catalog about three months ago, I look forward to each new episode to brighten my commute to work. Seems like a lot of people listen to the podcast on their I bet we caused quite a bit of traffic accidents. Yeah, <laughs> with our hilarity. Yeah. Crash. I forgot to mention this is the Film Photography Podcast, the, the, the internet radio show for people who love to shoot film. All is quiet on New Year's Day. Prompted by you, my head. prompted by your roll your own comments, I have just bought all the stuff needed to bulk load 35mm canisters with black and white film and develop it. All Lock right. and load. Hey, have a go at it, won't you? Right here. I don't know if you want an occasional UK correspondence who can update you with this progress. The teletype. Live from the UK. <laughs> at the very least, you'll find out that we all don't talk like Dick Van Dyke. Hello, governor. <laughs> chim chim cheree. You know, Dick Van Dyke did the uh, Kodak Pocket Instamatic commercial. Did he? Did he? Yeah, you, don't, you, don't, you don't remember? It's the Kodak Pocket Instamatic camera. He's kind of like a Herman Munster type, isn't he? No. He's a little bit oval. <laughs> Monstery. Dick Van Dyke, big, lanky, kind of a wacky little voice. He's lanky. I don't know if he's that tall. Uh, this is just in from Aussie Phil. Hey, Aussie Phil. Que paso? <laughs> what would an episode be like without a letter from Aussie Phil? G'day. Well, he's saying, you know, have a great Christmas break. That's a great idea. He says that you guys have made a huge difference to my year, and from great. what I can gather... To a lot of others, too. All right. I have always Ooh. wanted to shoot medium format and process my films at home. That is that is just it's the way to go. And because of the drive I get from your podcast, I am doing both quite a lot and loving it. I'm feeling like the artist I always wanted to be. We're going to talk about film developers today. That's awesome. Next year will mean more 4x5 for me as soon as I can get the 4x5 home processing worked out. Get the 4x5 home processing kit, g'day. <laughs> <laughs> a wise bricklayer once told me, A tradesman works with his hands. A craftsman works with his hands and his head. 
and an artist works with his hands, his head, and his heart. Mm. Have a great Christmas and New Year, Aussie Phil. That's one enlightened bricklayer. Yes. I just watched Australia. By the way. Um, Did you see it? No. Aussie Phil informs us that he has a tin lid on the way. What's and a tin that lid? his cheese and kisses says that we don't have a place to stay anymore at his house. <laughs> what does any of that even mean? Cheese and kisses. That's his wife. I yes. Very good, John. And cheese and kisses. Cheese. I, I get the kisses. Cheese. I don't know where the, the tin lid cheese and kisses. Was, was going to be his child. Tin lid? Oh, they got a tin. They got a tin. Tin, tin lid coming. Uh, coming. Ah, congratulations. A tin lid on the way. All right. Yeah. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Hugh Jackman says in Australia a lot. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. This just in. Spencer from Sharp Photo mm. in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Yes. Claire. The moment I met you, I swear. They are experimenting with developing Kodachrome as black and white. Oh, that's right. We talked about that last one. Mm-hmm. He says uh, he wants to be in the right mindset for the developing. Mm-hmm. He's, he's saying that the, I, sent him, I sent him a sample roll of Kodachrome 25, and he's going to get it developed in the next few days, and he's going to keep us updated. So I think he's getting together with uh, buddy Zach at Sharp Photo, and they're doing some kind of experiment. I still okay. think that the, the, as long the, as nobody gets hurt. the benchmark for black and white 35 millimeter quality is Agfa Pan. 25. It's the most oh. most amazing black and white film in terms of sharpness and resolution. So I, I would be interested interested to know what kind of results he got from this and how it would compare to say APX 25. Do you have any information about the Kodachrome film? Do you think that the film is going to shed any gunk or any type of gelatin? Like, is anything going to happen that's different than developing black and white film? Are there layers on this film that they maybe don't know about that may contaminate their their bath? I would say quite possibly because someone once told me that Kodachrome Chrome is essentially a black and white film with layers of emulsion on top of it that react to the proprietary Kodak chemistry, which is why when you take a Kodachrome slide and you angle it in the light, it looks sort of etched. It yes, has yes, almost it yes, it an almost like boss relief sort of look to it. Really? Yeah, and that's because those are the layers of dye, I guess you would call them dye, mm-hmm. that are coated on top of what is essentially a black and white emulsion. So will that stuff come yeah. off when you're processing it? It may very well. Hmm. I, I don't know. I've never done it, but, you know, it's got to go somewhere. It may prove to be troublesome for could, them to develop it could be. the black and white. They're not the first people to try to uh, process black, Kodachrome's black and white film. I've heard of other people trying it. And if I, these, are, these are articles in magazines that go back maybe 20 years. And if I'm not mistaken, they were very unsuccessful in doing it. So I, I wish them good oh. luck. It's an interesting, an interesting endeavor. Here's the, this, you know, still, we're still on our breaking news here for Kodachrome as BW. Emma Whitbowles Fugin. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing or killing your yeah, name. This is Emma Whitbowles Emma says that the Kodachrome to black and white, she says they, third party, so they say it's an incredibly messy to do. Mm. Mm. But perhaps you can, uh, there's like a link here to a person who's done it. What's As you can it? see, the inc- the image is incredibly sharp. Well, I guess we're going to have to find out. I mean, if your goal is just to get sharp black and white negatives, I think it's an awful lot of work just to get a, an ever so slight incremental increase in resolution. Unless the film's a penny on eBay. Really? I mean, what is the point of doing it? It's sort of like, you know, I can get great results here very easily, but I can get, you know, one-tenth of one percent better, but I got to go through so much more work, so what is the point? Unless you're just doing it to see if you can do it, and then, then that's the point of it. You're lazy. I'm not lazy. I'm just... <laughs> oh, no, I know. I'm only kidding. Well, we were just talking about AGFA. There you go. Look AGFA at APX25. Oh, you have some. Wow. This is a giveaway this month. Hey, if this oh, was wow. uh, Let's Make a Deal, you would have got some big prizes from Monty Hall for just whipping that out. Now, like we, that. <laughs> we have uh, a f- one of our giveaways this month is AGFA APX 25, one roll of APX 100, and one roll of APX 400. These were donated by Mark Anthony of Photo Utopia. We have two sets of this of this film. I loved Agfa Pan film. So basically, two lucky winners are going to win three rolls each. Oh, that's cool. This is really, really awesome. I mean, it's pretty special. The sharpest film you've ever seen in your life is, is Agfa Pan 25, processed really? in Rodinal. Yeah. What about the Panatomic 25 from way back in the day? The I... Th- um, Panatomic X, I've looked at, I have some medium format Panatomic X films that go back to 89, and I have some uh, uh, APX 25 I did in Rodinal that are maybe 92, 93, and I think there's much better edge sharpness to the Agfa film. Do you know, is this APX 25 still manufactured? No, Agfa does not make film anymore at all. Oh my goodness, really? I think Agfa gave her out of business. I think you just, they folded. I think. Oh, this expired in 01. Their mm. World USA headquarters were in fact in New Jersey. Yeah. 
And I think if I think that this is the sign still on the building. I don't think so. No, I think it's. I think. I think it was that the building was vacated and they kept the sign up there for a while. But after a while, they just removed it. So I, I do think that at least the U.S. operations have long since ceased because you know they're just not there anymore. But in your opinion, do you know what is considered the sharpest black and white film? Now? Now? Uh, well, you have to distinguish between sharpness and resolution because they're, they're two independent things. But I would say the sharpest film is probably, from what I've seen, T-Max 400. No Depe- kidding. Depending upon what developer you use. Imagine that, John. A 400-speed film, all yeah. sharpened. Like That's T-ma- my dream come true. <laughs> T-Max 100 is, is probably the highest resolution, but it's not... It isn't necessarily the it's sharpest. Oh. I'm sorry. I just turned... I, 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 you know, it was just crazy. No, no, it was just silly. I, like, I turned to John. I had, like, a real, like, Sopranos moment. I turned to John. I just, like... John, can Most you believe that? Top. I'm like... Hey. I'm like, can you believe that? A 400-speed film all sharp and shit. <laughs> <laughs> you want to send the kid for Baja fresh? Must no, I'm serious. Must, it's just must a, be a, an Italian thing. It, it's that very like a dream f- of yours come true. Well, can you believe that a 400 speed film would be that sharp, John? I, I oh. would love to believe that because that's my favorite. I, I don't Trix Pan's very flesh. sharp. It's 400. Oh, well, <clears> are you, how how do you feel, John, about shooting some black and white this uh, this fantastic. winter? Fantastic! I would love to. Yeah, you like black and white. I do. I absolutely do. Have I you shot some of that? It's black and white film. Maybe I sent it to you. Black and white film that you could develop as mm. color. Uh, the chromogenic stuff? What? It's like C41 black and white. Yeah, it's called chromogenic. Huh? C41. Didn't I give you black and white and yeah, you could bring yeah, I, it to Mike, the CVS? I have, I have a ton of stuff that you gave me that I have to oh. shoot yet. So you have some of the, what do you call it? It's called, I believe it's called chromogenic film. Really? Which means it's essentially black and white film. It's meant to be printed as black and white images, but it's processed in C41 color chemistry. It makes it easy for people to get stuff processed. Yeah, would people at the CVS right. know that though? They'd be like, yeah. this is black yeah. and white. Yeah. You just throw it in with the other, the other color film. Yeah, they and just it comes see out. the as, C41. It, I never cared for it. Uh, some people love it. So filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com Yo. if you would like to just throw your name in the hat for this black and white film package. Yeah. And if you do win, probably won't show up, probably will be lost. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's right here in my midst. Well, that happened. We heard that already. Maybe they're gnomes in the studio. Could be. Well, you've gotten so many people into photography. Why not gnomes? So... You need to send your name, address, and just tell us a little bit about your photography, and you will be in the draw, and we'll be doing the draw. Oh, I don't know when we're doing the draw. Well, maybe we'll February. be... February. Yeah, February 1st, do the draw. Uh, also, a giveaway this month is very exciting. Mm. This <laughs> is an American-made TLR120 camera. Look at that thing. Called a Ciroflex. Ciro for hair? Ciroflex. And it comes with uh, some film. Oh, my gosh. And some rotenol equivalent. It comes with uh, cough syrup. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's very important for you not to drink this stuff. Wow. It'll get rid of your cough and everything else. And this was donated by... A handwritten letter. Look at that. He, this was donated by He Su. Here are some pictures that He Su sent to us. Did us. he take these pictures with this particular camera? Those look like Polaroids of his collection. And there's some notes oh, on the Oh, look at all these cameras this guy has. He has sent us some prints. Uh, they look like they are Polaroid prints. And he has handwritten... No. He's handwritten uh, <laughs> some notes on the side of the images outlining the different cameras. He has here Nikon F2 and F3. Hasablad 500. Polaroid 180 is missing. Has a Yashica collection on the second shelf, a Canonet collection, Holga, and I can't read his handwriting here, a Lubitel, and he has a shot of his fridge too with all the film he has in his the refrigerator. Flex 120 TLR camera with some film, black and white film, and wow. he says it's Rodinol equivalent. So, what would you know about this? Rodinol was the proprietary name that Agfa gave to their amazing, amazing high sharpness developer, and other since Agfa, I believe, stopped making Rodinol for a while, companies like the Photographer's Formulary out in Montana uh, sold developers very, very similar this in formulation. There's a digital camera here. No, well, there is a digital camera. <laughs> John sensed it. I have a Canon EOS Elan 2, a 1995 Canon. Is that Canon. your digital camera? Mm-hmm. This way, Dwayne, with your camera? So I guess the question I have, because if I receive this, this package, you have a beautiful TLR camera, you have some developer, you have some film. I guess if, what if you have never developed it before? What are you going to do? You have to buy yourself a 120 roll film developing tank 
and Patterson makes really, really wonderful ones. You can find them on eBay all over the place. Mm -hmm. Just enter in medium format or 120 roll film developing tank or simply the words developing tank and they go for like 12 or $13. Cheap. And very, very cheap and you, you buy yourself a good thermometer that's maybe another $10 and a beaker to measure. So you're talking about $20, $25 worth of an outlay mm -hmm. and you can start processing your own. It's very, very simple to do. Do you need any other chemicals? Uh, well, you need basically uh, a pre-soak. Okay. Some people like it. Some people don't. I prefer it. You need the developer. You need the stop bath. You need the fixer. You need water to rinse. And some people like to use PhotoFlow to uh, remove any right. um, stains from the film. So pre-soak, <laughs> developer, stop bath, fixer, rinse, wash, we call it. Anyone out there fe feeling adventure, adventurous? to do some home developing. You have, you'll have a camera, you'll have the film, you'll have the developer. You'll have to go supplement using the Google to figure out what else to do. The Google. Most people, uh, yeah, they develop Rodinal 1 to 25, 1 to 50, 1 to 100. And uh, I would just take this developer and do some dilutions with it and just give it four or five minutes and see what you get. Filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com if you'd Yo. like to win the Ciroflex. If you, the Ciroflex camera, it's a beautiful camera with a Wallensack lens. Wallensack are great lenses, by the way. Wallensack made, they were a company out of uh, New York. Right. You know, a lot of great lenses were made in the United States. Kodak made their Ektars. Wallensack made their Raptors. Ilex made their Paragons. And uh, we were all out of New York. I still, you know, you can still find Wallensack Raptors and uh, in usable shutters and put them on a view camera and they work exquisitely. You really don't know where this camera Dwayne, is, Mike. I really don't know where the Kiev 6 and the Vivitar are. Now, the fact that they're both missing tells me that I put, took no, the two put, cameras and I put them somewhere. I need to tell everyone that we've lost the Kiev 6C. So, you know, don't fret. I mean, it, it'll, it'll turn up. Maybe next meeting. <laughs> Tony Kwong is a listener, and I've never received a letter like this before. Tony tells me, and us, that he's an exposure value fan. And I'd, I've never heard of such a thing in my life. Hmm. I, I've been running from exposure value my whole life. When you buy an older camera that has a fixed shutter, hmm. it doesn't have f-stops. It has right. exposure value. Really? It's an exposure value chart. Right. So I use the chart to translate to get f-stops out of it. Okay. Tony's telling us that, you know, in the past you were talking about exposure value. I personally used the EV system in my Polaroid Land 180 and used a few Hasselblads and Rollies that had it as well. I'm terrible at guessing aperture and shutter speeds for the results I desire. I just find EV simple to use without a light meter. I've never met anyone that uses EV. Well, now you have. Dwayne, you? Well, when I use the 4x5 and I spot meter with the one degree spot meter, it reads a number. It's a number from one to whatever. And then you take that number and you turn a dial and it automatically converts it to a scale where you read the f-stop shutter speed combination. Is that right? So I'm familiar with how to use the EV numbers, but I mean, as a number in and of itself, it's useless until you, until you convert it. Right. It's, it's just chewing. A, well, I guess I'll go scratch, buddy. Hey, hey. <laughs> Tony donated to the podcast a, wow, look at that. a Fujifilm Instax 200 instant camera. It's Thank a you, wide Tony. wide picture format. This is... It takes panorama? No. <laughs> it takes a picture. A picture. It's a similar... I, I, I comp this to like a Polaroid 600. It's like a letterboxed Polaroid. Yes. It's instant photography. It's an instant color. Where do you get the film for this picture? Anywhere. Really? Anywhere. This is a very popular format. Is it? Yeah. Really? If you go to any photo store, uh, B&H, Unique Photo, Adorama. CVS. CVS might have this. I bet you. you my CVS has a, an amazing array of films and uh, wacky cameras. I've seen photographs by uh, Flickr members that shoot in this format, and... It puts out a very nice, beautiful image. As a matter of fact, people who have been shooting, people that have been complaining about the Impossible Project. And their experimental films, oh, their films are too experimental, oh, it's not, yada, yada. I recommend they get this. If you want, if you want vanilla. That is vanilla. Now, now I'm not putting this down. By, by all means, I love, I have the Polaroid 300, and I, sometimes when you go over your family's house, you just want a regular... Beautiful color you image. Want vanilla. Well, I mean, come on. The Impossible Project is that is very artistic. Yes, stuff. 
This is I, well. This is just point and shoot photography. This is a point and shoot color. It's an event instant camp. camera. It's an event. Good yes. for events. Beautiful for to events. Capture the moment. Well, first of all, let me t- let me say to everyone. The damage out is there. done. Don't try to backtrack. <laughs> Poor Tony's like, "F you guys." We'll let <laughs> <them> <laughs> ever write a letter. <laughs> like, oh my god, I give you guys a vanilla camera. <laughs> He's gonna hear a knock on the door. <sighs> now you know what. I hope no one answers for this. You know why? Because I'll, I'll keep I know. it. I was going to say, this looks right up your alley. Yeah, this is really right up my alley. So, this camera. This camera. To me, it looks new in the box. Hmm. This looks, I mean, look. Oh. I mean, got this a strap. Look, oh. the batteries, are, the batteries aren't the battery. even open. Oh, it's a brand new camera. This is a brand new camera. I don't think Tony's ever used it. Thanks, That's Tony. a pack of film. Film? Pack of film. Film. Photography podcast at gmail.com. Yo. Send us your name. If you want to enter... To win something, first of all, you have to send an email for each item. Separate. You can't enter for each giveaway with one email. Hey, hey, I mean, enter me in all your giveaways. Sal. <laughs> Sal. Hey, don't give me Sal, some stuff. come on. We need your name, your address, and a little bit about yourself, and a separate email for each item, which was the Agfa black and white film, the Fuji, <laughs> the Fuji film Instax wide. And, of course, the Ciroflex beautiful camera with film and developer. Uh, the Ciroflex home starter kit. Here's a letter from our friend Justin Channel. Justin Channel is a filmmaker, and I've met him on more than one occasion. What kind of films does he make? Uh, he makes Super 8 films. Are they horror films? or? Well, he does a comedy called... Two Dudes and a Sweet Prince. On YouTube. Oh, yeah? It's a comedy. And it's on Super 8. Parts of it are on Super 8. Oh, and he shoots Super 8, he shoots 35mm, and he shoots 110. And he wrote me a letter to tell me that his Pentax Auto 110 is missing. <laughs> no. Yes. Is it? it this, I think I want every FPP member to check your check, camera bag. Check your stash, man. There could be something going on here. Maybe the digital world is, is trying to, you know. Ah, yeah. the that's di- probably The digi-cops. <clears throat> uh, seems to me, seems to, uh, <laughs> Justin had his Auto 110 stolen from his car. Ah. says, imagine the robber's confusion when he tried to sell yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> the Pentax Auto 110, Dwayne, is that camera, that little camera. We've had it on the show before. Oh, it was with, great. With the, with the, you know, removable lenses. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Amazing little camera, isn't that it? Blows. I feel uh, very bad for you, Justin. Where's Justin live? He is in uh, one of the one of the Virginias. He's oh. uh, sad that the uh, format 110 may be dead. Well, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very hopeful that... Mike's going to start cutting yeah. his own one. Yeah, I'm start cutting my own. I brought some stuff for you guys to look at. I always like show these guys stuff. Pass it around. I did a, po- I did a YouTube video. You can go to the site, filmphotographypodcast.com. Oh, you can click our videos tab. I see a JCPenney camera. We have here a, J- a JCPenney 600 camera. Check that out. That says Vivitar. Look at this. This is brand new. This is a Holga. A Holga 110 really? camera. Wow, look at that. I talk about all this on the new YouTube video. If you have not seen it, check it out. What's the title of the YouTube video? 110 film photography. I mostly talk about the fact that 110, the 110 format, it's a format of film that is 16 millimeters. It's in a cartridge, and it was introduced in 1972 by Kodak. And they came out with their Kodak. See, ever see one of these, Dwayne? A Kodak Pocket Instamatic camera oh, look at this. package that Dick Van Dyke used to hawk on television. You know, it's such fun to give somebody something they've never had before. It's what I got for my wife. Something so new, it wasn't even around last Christmas. It's the Kodak Pocket Instamatic camera. Oh, John, let's put a roll of film in there. I'm trying to figure out how to open this. Put in your car. It's your film, Governor. I don't let's have my glasses see, with me. Let's see if John could load this film. Here you go, John. I'm not going to do anything. You're not, you're not even close. No. Oh. That's batteries. Okay. I know do that. Okay. I just saw an arrow. Got to go right here. You're killing. You're, not, you're joking. You're, you're going to break it. It's a, it's a Holga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There you go. Uh. (laughs) That's so out of control. It's just out of control today. You're going to break it. It's a Holga. Isn't that their uh, their, uh, tagline? That should be it. Dwayne's playing with a camera that isn't even on our topic yet. I love my Holga, by the way. Do we we talk about how much I love my Holga? John is shooting with a Holga 135BC. And uh, we haven't seen anything yet because it's Kodachrome. It's, yeah, it should be coming back soon, right? Waiting for Dwayne's photo to deliver the Kodachrome. Is there, uh, let me see. It's on. Do get, I need to get a, advance jacket? It to, you have to advance it until you get to one. Oh, I can't read so good. 
Keep going. One. You have a blinking light? Yeah. Uh-oh. I think so, yeah. Oh, it did? Yeah. I was afraid to break it. You had a total look of confusion on your face. Yeah, well, that's nothing new. <laughs> you want to take a, a picture of Dwayne? John's shooting with the, what's known as the Holga 110 TS... What? T? That was with the telephoto. What is that I'm called? Do what is that called? It's called the 110 TFS. Right. What year was that Holga made, you know? Now. I got a oh, Holga alone. <laughs> Here, this is with the normal... Oh, I can't get the normal. You got me all nervous now. You think I'm going to break it. It's a, it's a Holga. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you uh, when you use the um, telephoto and the normal switch, the, the the viewfinder looks exactly the same. See that? Oh, yes, it does. Well, you post some pictures up there on your uh, Flickr page, <laughs> so everybody can see what they're getting into. That's a cute little thing. It's a cute little camera, isn't it? Yeah. Dwayne, what do you, do you do, were you ever a fan of one ten? Did you ever shoot one ten? Never. <laughs> Will you ever shoot one ten? Never. Never? Never, ever. Why? Too I have no, small for you? I have no interest in You know what Dwayne needs? I have no interest it's in small time. I'm not, I'm, giving, I, I'm not going to give this to you, but I should give this to you. The WWF <laughs> Hulk Hogan 110 camera. Look at that. That's ridiculous. That prints a Hulk Hogan imprint on every frame. Are you serious? That's so ridiculous. Where'd you get that? Walmart? Yeah. <laughs> we I got it at Walmart. Did you? Where'd you get it? I got on, it on, on eBay. Okay. It would be really, really funny if you like had a go, you went to a wedding and people paid you like $3,000 <laughs> and you showed up with this little camera and there's a picture of Hulk Hogan. There's the bride, the groom, and Hulk Hogan. Wait a minute. Who invited this guy? He's in every picture. Well, it's Hulk Hogan at a wedding. That's so funny. I just want to say... Have a great wedding. Now, Hulk, Ho- Hulk Hogan totally saved this podcast. Okay, well, Justin, thank okay, you. Okay, Hulkster fans. Thank you for there your you letter. Go. That was good. Thank you. Thank you for your letter. Now, listen here. I'll be at every event for the rest of your life with my new Hulk Hogan camera. We got a letter from John Friedfertig. He's in... You haven't S- pronounced one name right today, I bet. Sandia Park, New Mexico. Sandia. And he purchased a Pentax Auto 110. Now, it's conceivable he just bought Justin's camera. Could be. So, thanks for sharing, John. Uh, do you have a book of the month, uh, Dwayne? Book of the month. I oh, do. Do you want to do that now? <laughs> Are you prepared? I was going to give it a couple of minutes worth of thought, but I can certainly just <laughs> go right into it. Go right um, into it. You would love this book. Oh, okay. Because it's very, very soft mm. and ethereal, as you can see from the cover image. And very little words. Oh, it's very nice. Very soft. Uh, it is called uh, The Grand Tour, Photographs by Dick Arentz, Introduction by Thomas Southall. And I love this book for a couple of reasons, the first of which is Dick Arentz shoots ultra-large format cameras. And uh, I'm going to read briefly... Uh, an excerpt from this. The cameras used were equally historic. The 7x17 and 12x20-inch formats are remnants of the banquet photography practiced early in this century. To work in this manner, one must fundamentally return to the inquisitiveness and non-commercial incentives of the 19th century amateur photography and master a craft for purposes of personal satisfaction and achievement, an attribute that might provide a refreshing counterpart to some aspects of the contemporary art scene. And a lot of these done are, are done in platinum and palladium. Basically, he's taking a large banquet camera, he's exposing the film and processing it, and he's contact printing it on what's called platinum and or palladium paper. And it has a very soft, yet highly detailed, warm, almost sepia quality to it. And uh, it's very, very uh, long tonal scale. There was just a lot, a lot of tones in the mid-ranges. And it has a very, very uh, deep look to it. I'll let you have a look at this. And I have a quick story about him. I was at the Grand Canyon once. And I had my 4x5 view camera set up. And he pulled up in his car... And he set up this massive, massive banco camera next to me. And I recognized him from a photograph I had seen Kidding. on one of his book jackets. Really? No, I, I recognized him as Dick Aaron's because I know also I believe he lived in Arizona at the time. And he pulled out a massive, I think it was a 7x17. And he just set it up, looked at the ground glass. I guess he didn't like what he saw. Repacked up the camera and just left away. And I said, I, I said That's kind of, that was Dick Aaron's because I was kind of in awe of who he just was. just took off. He just took off. And I wanted to talk to him about the view camera, and uh, I was at Mojave Point on the south rim of the Grand Canyon. No, it was a, yeah, it was a lip on point. 
What were you doing there? I was taking photographs with my 4x5. Okay. He didn't come up and say hi to you? No, it was uh, uh, sometimes a viewpoint at the Grand Canyon are very crowded. You know, I think he was into his working process and I was into mine and uh, we didn't exchange words. It would have, I, I suppose, he being older, he being far more accomplished than myself, it would have been my move to walk right. over, introduce myself and, and say something which I did not do. He may have said to you, does Macy's tell gimbals? Exactly. <laughs> he may have said that. But uh, I, re- I do remember that moment, and I do remember his beautiful wooden camera. So, uh, I mean, I knew who he was. He had published in Arizona Highways Magazine, so I was uh, familiar with his name. And I knew he... would have been happy to talk. And, uh, <laughs> John is doing his very typical standing. <laughs> St- so, uh, standing. this is one of those, I like these books because they're really small too, you know, you can kind of, uh, kind of tuck it in a briefcase and look at it on a train or a bus or something. And, uh, cause so many fine art books are huge. They're enormous. Yeah. You know, he's I mean, wonderful he's a wonderful photographer. Really I mean, I cannot, I cannot recommend his work enough. I mean, if you just go to Amazon or go to eBay under the book category, and I'll spell his name for you, D-I-C-K-A-R-E-N-T-Z. And if you find one of his books for 10 or 15 bucks, just go ahead and buy the thing because you'll see someone who's been practicing um, the art of, of platinum and palladium contact printing for years. This man is a true master at the medium. And and his his his, book, his photographs are crazy beautiful. Picture of the Matterhorn is amazing. You know, it's just a nice book to add to your collection. And he's not a household name. I mean, everybody knows Ansel Adams certainly, and and the Westons. But you know, Dick Arons. Do do all of his photographs for this book in particular? I guess are all. Pro- Basically, it's the same format, same format camera, same type of printing. I think he took uh, a trip or several trips to Europe, and that was his uh, his method in in this particular sequence of images to use this camera, to use these cameras, and to use this process to produce a body of work. It might have been specifically to produce this book, I don't know. Uh, yet for this, there's a certain continuity in the look and the format of, uh, of these images. They're all the, so uh, the title again is The Grand Tour, Photographs by Dick Aaron. So check it out. Thank you, Dwayne. You're welcome. That's awesome. Do you know if this book is currently available? I got this maybe, again, so many of the books that I come on here and talk about, they're, they're books that are older because I have a large collection. And I just pull one out of the collection so i don't believe it's still in print it's the sort of thing like i said you'd have to do some research to find it right but uh you know you can find them on ebay used bookstores amazon has back issues so i will look and see if i can find the year of publication uh early to late 90s so it's probably like you know the late 90s it was published john's eating again he's over there in the corner with like a bag of chips we're in like hour four. Oh, I'm of sorry. This podcast, John's over there in it with a bag of crisps, and next to me I have my uh, Canon EOS Elam II. Uh, I noticed the. It seems to me the framing is different. Is that true? Is this more horizontal? I don't. I don't know. I think the aspect ratio of Nikon's are in the digital realm are the same, whether it's an APS or full, full frame sensor. I think it's the same. Ooh, Ooh we're talking digital. It feels good. I'm I'm holding a Nikon digital camera. That's oh, that is traitor. that is seven or eight year old technology, oh, really? but it's still for just throwing for it. For me, it's new. <laughs> to throw it in a bag and carry it around, it's great. Let me get another shot. Well, you also you have the zoom, so it is if you have to frame it. We're chimping. <laughs> is that going on your Facebook page? Yeah, like a, or I'll put it on the uh, FPP Facebook page. Yeah. On this episode of Sprockets We Dance. Yes, I'm going to be talking about what's known as sprocket hole revolution. Gonna be a sprocket revolution, oh, you know. Today, I'm here to talk to you about what's known as sprockets. Sprockets, you may ask, what are, what are sprockets? We say, what are sprockets? Thank you. Sprockets are when you shoot film. Normally, you would shoot a frame of film, and you would just expose the middle portion of the film to give you your exposure. But to shoot sprockets means that you would expose the entire piece of film, including the film with the sprockets. And that's how you would make your print or scan your image to make a JPEG. And you may ask, Well, how 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 do I do that? How do I how do I how do I shoot sprockets? Well there's a company out there known as Sprocket Hole Revolution, and they have a website, and they have a Flickr group, and they're also on eBay. If you go on eBay and you type in Sprockets, you will find the adapters so that you could use 35mm film in a 120 camera. And that is how you make sprockets. This is a Holga 120FN. This shoots 120 film, which normally takes 120 roll film. You can shoot sprockets. Now the adapters, because many uh, folks, especially on Flickr, have asked, 
Well, what do sprocket adapters look like? And I'm going to show you right now. Here they are. Now, when you get this in the mail, you may say, Oh my God, I uh, just spent $13 and this is it? You know what? I felt the same way when I first got it. And you can't find an actual picture of these sprockets online, probably because they don't look very significant. In fact, I've been using these for, you know, almost a year now, and they work quite well. And what you do is you just take them and put them into your 35 millimeter your film cassette. You can think of them as ear, the earplugs for your film. If you go to a rock concert. <laughs> now you would take your Holga, just as you would load your 120 roll film into your, your medium format Holga, you would put your 35 millimeter cassette, your 35 millimeter case into the Holga, and then take this, this side here into the take up. And now you are ready to shoot sprockets. sprockets. When you actually release the shutter, it exposes this entire piece of film, sprocket holes and all. Now, if you go to our show notes. Show notes. Thank you, John. Now, you may say, well, gosh, Mike, uh, will this work in every camera? And I'm glad you asked that. Will this work in every camera? Oh, thank you, John. You know, John, that's a very good question. The answer is no. Here is a traditional 120 camera, a Yashica A. In this camera, it just so happens that you can expose your film using sprocket. What you do is you open up the, the hood. <laughs> you open up the hood here. That V8. <laughs> and here's the space where your roll film would go. And instead, put your... It's a little trickier than the, uh, than the Holga. Especially with those big gorilla mitts you got. <laughs> See? That's right. Now you have 35 millimeter film in a 120 camera. When you're exposing, you expose for the entire piece of film, including what's known as sprockets. <laughs> now, the problem... And you would do the same thing as you did with the Holga. You would just basically take this on your take-up, and then you would roll... And then you need to ex do a little bit of experimenting. See, I drew some lines here on the film. I, I, I basically sacrificed one roll of film to do a test to see how many turns I would have to do in order to get to the next exposure. And I'll do that right now for you very quickly. I'm now r rolling the film. Maybe a little tricky. You may say, well, gosh, how am I going to get that film in there? Gosh, Mike, how are you going to get that film you in just, there? You put it in the thing there. and you Stick it in. put <laughs> Exactly. You put your hand on there. And you just start, well, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't catch the first time, you could just, you got to show a little patience with this kind of stuff. And the patience is what actually makes film photography kind of fun. You're getting your hands, you know, under the hood, so to speak. Now, if you have a problem like I'm having right now, it's very simply remedied by using a small piece of tape. And you could easily just put the tape on your film. That'll save a little bit of hassle. People tape. <laughs> It's the way you could then start rolling, you see? And now you could figure out how many turns it's going to take. See, here's your frame. So you do one turn, two turns, three turns, approximately three turns. It varies depending on what camera that you're using. And you would close up your camera, like so. And your film is ruined. <laughs> close up your camera. Now you will have to tape up the back of your 120 camera. Because when you're using roll film, it's paper-backed, and you have usually your number here. So you have to put a piece of black gaffer's tape back here, or electrical tape. On my Holga, I made the error of putting a piece of gray tape on the back. And I can tell you that the light bled right through it, and it uh, caused a massive light leak on my uh, image. So make sure you use black electrical tape, or what's known as gaffer's tape. Now, this is the Yashica A, and the film, 35mm film, fit in this camera, but some other 120 cameras, sometimes the 35mm cartridge doesn't fit. It doesn't fit in the space, and you can't close your camera. And in that case... Well, what can I say? Sprocket hole revolution, the concept of us using 35 millimeter, sometimes this is not going to fit in your camera. You have other options. You could find a, a uh, 120 film spool, and you could, in a dark room or a film changing bag, you could actually roll the 35 to a spool and then do it spool to spool. I mean, you could, you know, kind of use your imagination. But generally speaking, it's fun. It's a fun way to do a little uh, photography project. And if you go to the show notes, you can see some examples of sprocket hole photography. That's my report for sprocket hole photography. Do any questions out there? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you, John. Yes. Am I familiar with the, um, the technique you're using? Yes. Not at all. No, I'd never heard of it before. What do you think? Well, we've talked about sprockets before. I think it's interesting because what you will do is you'll get what the Brits call the film rebate. Oh. Which is the, the piece of the film that is, does not have any emotion on it. Or it does have emotion, but it, it you know, is traditionally not exposed. And it will be exposed now. You know, you'll, you'll see like a, I guess, panoramic almost image, like a rectangular yeah. image. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, basically, there there is uh, emulsion on the sprockets. Right. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. So it... It it's kind of odd to look at. It looks so you don't cool. see like the, you know you don't see like uh, just an image surrounded by black. No, uh, you just see it, the entire image is incorporated on that on that piece of film. Yes, and sometimes there's the brand name of the film. You'll get like you'll say Kodak or have you seen a sprocket hole? Oh yes. Hey, Mike Rosso here. Have you heard about the FPP 2011 calendar? Oh, yeah. That's right. It's full color, 8.5 by 11, and you can have your very own copy. How? By donating to the Film Photography Podcast. Help keep us running strong in 2011 and beyond. Go to filmphotographypodcast.com, click the Donate button, and see details of how to get your very own FPP calendar. All donations received go right back to the Film Photography Podcast to keep us running strong through 2011 and beyond. And beyond. 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 And beyond. Super positive. Oh, yeah. And right now, I'm very, very happy to announce that uh, our very own Dwayne Polkew, we're starting a, a new, hopefully a regular segment, because so many of our listeners have written in about the Hulk Hogan camera. <laughs> about the concept of, of developing at home. There's been many, 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 many requests for us to just chat on a regular basis about developing at home. So we haven't come up with a name or whether it's going to be like Home Developing Corner. or The, <laughs> the Home Development Corner. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to turn the microphone How over to... we call it What's Developing with... I feel like this is a kiss video. I got a little surprise for you tonight. <laughs> I'm going to Chris. No. <laughs> I'm going to turn the microphone over to Angus Freely. Shock me. Shock me. Turn the microphone over to to Dwayne Polky to talk, no! talk a little bit about developing at home. You know, there are so many different topics you can talk about when it comes to developing film and, and printing paper. And rather than just devote one show to try to cram it all in, which is actually impossible, it's, it's, and it's so boring. It's, it's <laughs> too much information. Too much information all at once. We'll sound like those other crummy. Podcasts. What I decided to do was every single show. Just pick a particular snippet of information that I think would be helpful to people because I've been developing my own film and printing my own prints for about 20 years and pass it on to you. And if there are people out there that have also have experience with this particular technique or the snippet of information, maybe they can email and write in and add something to it. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to mention today was the versatility of HC-110 developer. I was looking like, oh God, you're so bored. No. The, versa <laughs> <laughs> the versatility of, H of no. Kodak with HC-110 developer for taming contrast. Now, what people usually do if they are aficionados of the zone system when they're processing sheet film and roll film also, is they'll do what's called normal or normal plus or normal minus development. What this means is they increase the development time or they decrease the development time to take into consideration contrast. If they think that it's, it's too much light, the, the, the contrast range of the light is too much, too much for the film to handle, they'll give what's called N-minus development, meaning they develop it for less time, taming that contrast. That tonal range is compressed. If it's a flat scene with light, what they do is they give it N-plus development, which means they develop it for a longer period of time, therefore increasing the contrast of the negative, so it prints better. But there's a technique with HC-110 development. Go on, John. I just want to, uh, can you just give us a specific about that? Because, okay, you would normally uh, develop this for a minute and then take it out. 
Well, you, what kind it, of range are we speaking? It varies about? so Just much. It varies so much for different film and developer combinations that it's impossible to give you a time as it's an example. It's all experimenting within whatever. It really is, is, and you have to. I mean, some people get into get into it to the point of using sensitometers and densitometers and things, and, and really want to measure it. The point is, you're changing the development time to take into consideration different uh, contrast ranges in a scene to tailor your negative to print on one particular grade of paper. Mm -hmm. But with HC one ten developer, this is the whole point, you can do something very, very special. And you can do what's called highly dilute development. Ooh, and I read tell. this from uh, a book by Bruce Barnbaum, and I think Ansel Adams used to also use it. And you can take HC110, which is normally diluted uh, from syrup, 1 to 31, I believe, is dilution B. And you can develop it like 1 to 100, 1 to 200. And what you can do is actually use this highly dilute developer and let the de uh, developer tank stand for maybe two or three minutes, then agitate mm -hmm. two or three minutes and agitate. The theory being that it's so dilute really? that areas of the negative that have been exposed to an awful lot of light will deplete the developer very, very quickly. Mm. And areas that have not been exposed to a lot of light will continue the development process. And what that does is, in theory, compresses the tonal range so that you can handle excessive contrast. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is HC110 developer is a great developer to use for the highly dilute developer technique to tame extreme contrast ranges when you shoot. So this is a good developer to start with if you're looking to do that process. Exactly. This is a whole nother world. Yeah, this is just it's like, like it's like it's like but it's a whole other world to you and there's a lot of yeah. people out there who know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Oh no, I'm saying so. it's it's fascinating because it's 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 just such a it's almost like a um, you know it's like learning hyperdrive language. of my hobby. It's going to the next step of handling this chemical process yourself. Mm -hmm. Does it sound more complicated than the actuality of it? Does it sound more complicated than the actuality or the reverse? Is that what you're saying? Well, it sounds very complicated. It's not. It's not. All I'm saying is, you know, you, you, you get your development chart and it says do this. If you make a slight error in your timing, then your negative will be altered. It will be. Uh, in theory, I mean, so much of this is theoretical. People think, you know, photography has been around for 150 years. It's an exact science. It's not. You know why? Because it's a chemical. Right. And it, it's affected by temperature and it's affected by pH. So many variables. So many different variables. Some people's water is harder or softer than others. More minerals, yeah. Uh, more alkaline or less alkaline. You have to take into consideration oh. that it's, it's a, it's a highly variable thing. Thermometers don't always give accurate temperatures. So there's a lot of experimentation involved. My whole point of this particular segment was if you want to try that highly dilute developer technique mm. to tame contrast, HC110 is a great place to start. And this may sound funny, but it's, I'm not being funny at all. There's no such thing as a self-terminating developer? I believe there is. I've read about it. It's somewhere in the cobwebs of my mind. I don't know the name of it. It would be a film or be the... the this would be a film developer. If there's someone out there who's heard of a developer, by self-terminating you mean it's exhausted, it's done. Oh no, I mean you put the film in and the film develops to a certain point then stops. That's the purpose of having it be highly dilute. Oh. That it's exhausted. It's exhausted in areas where it's been exposed to much light, but it continues developing in areas that have exposed right. to not much light. Let's use the term highlight and shadow. So highlights are developed quickly. The developer's exhausted. Right. The shadows keep developing. So it just takes that contrast range of light and just compresses it like an mm. accordion, like that. Right. So if you're outside, you go, oh, my God. It's got a, it's got a 12 f-stop range. Mm. How am I going to handle this? You can, in theory, make it a 5F-stop range by using this technique, mm. and it makes your negatives much easier to print. Right. You do lose some local contrast a bit, right. so you might have to do some dodging and burning to bring up the, the sense of depth when you're printing, but it is a really, really, really good technique to try. It takes a bit of practice to nail it down. And again, you know, there's so many different types of film out there and, and ways to use it and different agitation strategies, but HC110, for me, has always proven to be the best, best developer to try this with. That's pretty awesome. It is awesome. I, I, didn't, I didn't invent this. This has been around for... Oh, no, no. I mean, I, I haven't developed a roll of film since probably... Oh, you 19th. will, Mike. Oh, you mm -hmm. will. Since the 19th. So when you go out with your 4x5 camera and you're shooting black and white, you come home, you're like... <laughs> you grab your stuff, and you just develop it. Yes, I have three different boxes. They're, they're uh, film, 4x5 sheet film boxes, and one of them is for normal development, one of them is for normal plus, one is for normal minus, one is for highly dilute. And I just keep notes. What do you think, John? It's fascinating. It's like a whole new realm. Really what, when's the last time you developed a roll of film? 1983. <laughs> uh, was, Wham, uh, was <laughs> Wham was, was my a, number one band. 
Wow. No, 83. So uh, these guys are called Wham. They're, uh... Well, that's what I would like to do in the year 2011. It's so much fun processing black and white film. I've been doing it for over 20 years, and it's still a thrill. In the year when you, uh, 2011. When you pull that sheet of roll of film right. and, you, and you, un, you unwind it and you put it up to a light box, you go, mm. oh, look at that. Now, maybe we'll save this topic for a future show, but what's all this about... Uh, people doing home C41 processing. I've never in my life tried C41. I've tried E6, which is color slide film, and it's such a precise process because of the uh, the time, especially temperature, and I believe also the pH of the solutions. That it was just too precise for me. I, I didn't. They, right. they came out not very good. Right. But uh, I hear C41 is not that much different from black and white. C41. I want to thank you. And uh, maybe next next show we'll we'll pick it up and do another segment. Another one's fine. Wow. We'll talk about Rodinal. Okay. Ah. Oh. Yeah. 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 I do want to say before we go that uh, right now rolling off a printing press somewhere in North Dakota, the FPP 2011 calendar. Wow. A listener needs to go to filmphotographypodcast.com, click on the donation button, and donate something to get the calendar. Eight and a half by 11, full color FPP calendar. This is kind of like that uh, Radiohead download where it's like, oh, you can pay for full price or pay what you want, I guess. Well, I thought about it hard and long, and I thought, well, what am I going to charge for calendar? And Quite frankly, hey, folks, yeah, I don't want to charge anything for the calendar, but it's unfortunate that things cost money. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I do need a bunch of FPP listeners. You may say, oh, you know, I, don't know. I have a calendar. I got one from work. <laughs> <laughs> I got one from my account. <laughs> if you can squeeze it, go over to Film Photography Podcast and click Donation, and just Whatever you can afford, grab your 2011 FPP calendar. This is the the first, and what I hope will be a series of. (laughs) (laughs) It's the first, and I hope the last. This is the first, and I uh, hope the last. I speculated that pork bellies. I speculated that all of our listeners out there might be interested in having an FPP calendar on their wall to support us throughout the year. On the subject of 620 film spools, we received a lot of. Mail on that. Thank you very much. As a matter of fact, Jim Butler actually turned me on to what's known as the Kodak Tourist Camera. It's a camera that shoots a 6x9 negative or transparency, depending on what you put through it. But it's 620, which means you need the spools. And most of the folks out there listening to this podcast are, are kind of scrounging around on eBay to find the spools. And they're like 5 to $10. This holiday season, let there be spools for all my friends. But uh, So we're looking into that. Nice stocking stuffers. I want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, actually, uh, congratulations may be in order to me, guys, because um, I, did <laughs> <laughs> I didn't talk about Polaroid. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You've been bringing it up once. We, this is a, have, we didn't talk about Polaroid this episode. I'm very proud of you, Mike. It's a new year. Mm-hmm. There are, other, there are other things. We have 110 photography. Wow, look at to you. We Get have Polaroid a rest for a while. We have sprockets. Sprockets. <laughs> because sometimes you have to move away and then come back and like it even more. Absolutely. So We'll see what develops uh, uh, for Polaroid right. in 2011. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, and we'll be back in two weeks. It's a 5x486. my bed.